It's time to honor the big kahuna, the gran formaggio. Yes, it's the Snork Daddy-O Father's Day Fiesta! You've read the blog? Now hear it straight from the source. This is Snork, the podcast with Anita Rosner. We've had a rash of new subscribers from Boston and the Chicago area, which I'm particularly excited about since Chicago is my father's hometown. And speaking of fathers, back in May during our Snork Mama Palooza Mother's Day Spectacular, I promised we'd honor all the dudes and dads this month for Father's Day, which is this Sunday, June 21st. Well, the wait is over. And to talk about all things father and fatherhood, I recently sat down for an informal chat with two of my buddies, Joe Pregiato and Snork's own Dave McLaughlin. Notice I say, informal. That's my way of apologizing for the sound quality of the uh, top of the show. We're going to hear background noise, possibly some chewing, slurping sounds. I'm going to ask you to just go with it, okay? Okay. Just to give you a little background, Joe grew up with three siblings, two brothers and one sister, and has a son and daughter of his own, Sage and Nicholas. Dave grew up with two brothers and now has three sons, Sean, Andrew, and Michael. Joe started things off by paraphrasing something once said by sports legend Boomer Esiason. Kids remember their uh, mothers for the love that she gave them, but they remember their fathers from the events they did and the the things they did, with the stuff that got done with their dads. So I think that's very true. I asked Joe if there was anything he did with his father that he repeated with his own children. Joe immediately thought of his father's Volkswagen Beetle. He always saw that I had an interest in learning the stick shift with the clutch and everything. And he taught me, and I learned right away. And that was something I taught Nick right away. In fact, I even taught Sage um, how to drive. Uh, I had another, believe it or not, Volkswagen. This was a Jetta with a stick shift. And I taught her when she was 14 in the, of course, in the big uh, okay, well, we're not gonna, parking lot. We're not going to release that information to the other Yeah, well, she was 14. She was 14. Got that? <laughs> Got that, kappa? <laughs> then I asked Dave the same question. Here he is talking about a 25-year tradition he shared with his parents and his brothers. All I can think of is uh, beach vacations, Cape Cod beach mm-hmm. vacations. We did like 25 years straight, um, you know, one week, two weeks, even three weeks sometimes. Um, so that's like a tradition, but he was big on going in the marsh, digging clams. It was, you know, the 70s, everything was kind of clean. Um, didn't have to worry about pollution or anything. But anyway, just... A little bit of fishing, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, this July, we're going back one door down from that house. In addition to those summers on Cape Cod, Dave's father instilled a love of the outdoors with his sons. He did quite a bit with us. Like I said, the climbing he taught us, fishing. He was, a, he was like a main, just mega into fishing, uh, whether it's freshwater, saltwater. Really, really into it. And he taught us that. I then asked them if there was a point in time when they felt their fathers began treating them more like men rather than boys. It's not an easy or obvious question. It took some thought for both of them, and then Dave spoke up first. 
I got my first job, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You helped me buy a car. Oh, that's a biggie. We went 50-50 on a Volkswagen Rabbit for like three grand. It sounds like you two, your two families kept Volkswagen in business all those years. Yeah, we did. I remember my dad congratulating me uh, when I got a, a job down on Wall Street with Chemical Bank in the training program. You know, I remember him saying, wow, that's really great. And he shook my hand and, you know, but I wasn't a kid then. I was probably like 23. I asked Dave what his first job was out of college, and he said insurance. And he's been in insurance ever since. And then after a little more chit-chat, he came out with this little tidbit. My dad was an insurance guy. Was he? Mm-hmm. So was mine. Was he? Mm-hmm. Is it me? Or does anyone else think it's interesting that Dave's father had three boys, and then Dave had three boys? Dave's father was an insurance man, and now Dave is an insurance man. Coincidence? You tell me. I then asked the guys to sum up the kind of men their fathers were, in general. My dad was um, the kind of guy that um, every, everyone thought he was the nicest guy, and he was. That's how the community saw Joe's dad. But for Joe, personally... That was the kind of dad he was. You know, very, very uh, fair and, you know, good, good, solid soul. Dave said his dad was gregarious and a lively character. He was a funny guy. He made people laugh. He made people laugh a lot. In conclusion, I asked Joe and Dave to imagine their kids sitting here where they are now talking about their fathers. What would they hope their children would say about them? Joe said for him, that question was a no-brainer. Dad was right. That's all you want. That's all I want. It was more important to Dave that his boys grow up knowing he only ever wanted the best for them. He had my best interest at heart, or he tried to positively influence me. What a nice legacy, right? I want to thank Joe and Dave for taking the time to share their memories with me about their dads, and I want to wish them a happy Father's Day. And to all the dads out there, happy Father's Day to you, too. Now, there was something Joe said right at the top of the piece that struck a chord with me. He said kids remember their experiences with their fathers. That got me to thinking about my own dad and what we've shared together. I've tried to narrow it all down to something I'll call Daddy's Greatest Hits. I hope you like it. days we didn't see much of my dad. He'd usually leave the house before we got up for school. If he made it home in time, we'd all have dinner together. And then, after the dishes were cleared, dad would open his briefcase and spread out the work he'd brought home. He'd toil until long after we'd gone to bed. This was perfectly normal for the typical middle-class American families of my generation. Moms worked inside the home. Dads worked elsewhere. Moms did all the heavy lifting. She was responsible for the kids, the house, laundry, going to school meetings, making and keeping dentist and pediatrician appointments, shopping for groceries, cooking, pet care. The list goes on and on. And it's funny because none of us thought of them as working. Some people still don't, but I'll save that rant for another time. 
By sundown, most moms were worn to a frazzle. They were tired, wrung out, and probably covered in dirt from the garden, grease from making dinner, and maybe some poo or cat vomit, just to round out the day. There was only one mom, our neighbor, Mrs. Norris, who always managed to look as glamorous as Tippy Hendren did in The Birds, before the avian invasion of her beautifully coiffed French twist. Even though Mrs. Norris had four kids, maybe five, and no husband, full disclosure, they all lived with Mrs. Norris's parents, so in retrospect, I suppose they did all the work, while Mrs. Norris bleached her hair in the kitchen sink, which I'd seen her do on more than one occasion. Dads were a completely different species. They got up, shaved, slapped on some aqua velva, dressed, grabbed their fedoras, and backed out of the driveway. Eight hours later, they'd drive back in looking as fresh as a daisy. Sometimes, but only rarely, a dad might emerge from his car, jacketless, with his tie off and his shirt sleeves rolled up. That meant either it was Friday, or his day was, quote, a real son of a bitch. On weekends, however, the tables were turned. Our dad would take us off our mother's hands so she'd be free to go out for coffee with her friends or wallpaper the bathroom. So, since I do agree that a kid's clearest memories of their dads involve the things they did together, I've drawn up my top five favorite moments with my own father. Here we go. Number five. The time my mother had to go to a PTA meeting and left my father in charge with our dinner. He was supposed to make hot dogs, which he did, but he also treated us to a nutritious side dish of popcorn. There was no such thing as microwave popcorn back then, because there were no such things as microwave ovens. So Dad made it on the stove, and to entertain us, he kept taking off the lid, letting the pop kernels shoot all over the kitchen. It was dinner in a shell. Number four. The hours spent tobogganing at Freer Park in the freezing cold. My dad had an analytical approach to this winter pastime, focused on maximizing speed. He had four little kids and a heavy five-man toboggan. In order to balance us, he took great care in distributing our weight and would therefore seat us oldest to youngest from the front. He'd then push us to get us moving, and just as the toboggan started its descent down the hill, Dad would make a flying leap to take his place right on the back. The setup took ten minutes. The ride took five. We'd reach the bottom and trudge back up the hill to do it all again. If we started complaining about getting cold, he'd look at his watch and say, We can't go home yet. Your mother's making hot cocoa, and it won't be ready. I suspect he was under orders to keep us out of the house for a certain amount of time, or he had absolutely no concept of how long it takes to make hot chocolate. Number three, miniature golf. This activity should have its own special exhibit in the Fatherhood Hall of Fame. I don't know about you, but I loved playing miniature golf with our dad. On one memorable evening while playing mini golf on vacation in Cape Cod, dad was at his hilarious peak. He was goofing around, cracking jokes, using his golf club as a pool cue. He had us all in stitches. At one point, he fell down on the ground, a coup de gras. We roared. Pratt Falls were not previously a part of his customary comic repertoire. 
It took a few moments for us to notice, through our joy tears and laughter, that he was rolling around on the ground wincing in pain. Turns out he fell due to twisting his ankle, and not for our personal amusement. Although, truth be told, we still laugh whenever we tell the story. Sorry, Dad. Number two. What favorite moment between a woman and her dad is more memorable and sentimental than the day he walks her down the aisle? In the months leading up to my wedding, the anticipation of this short stroll brought tears to my eyes every time I imagined it. I'd be walking to my office, think about it, and start crying. I'd be in the grocery store, think about it, and start crying. I'd be riding the subway, think about it, and start crying. I went through a lot of tissues, and so I figured by the time the big day actually came, I'd be all cried out, and we'd sail down the aisle of the chapel dry-eyed with beaming smiles. And that is exactly what did not happen. I wept, and as everyone knows, when the bride is crying, everybody is crying. It was a five-hanky wedding for sure, but a truly beautiful moment. Number one. The number one favorite memory of time spent with my father cannot be boiled down to a single moment at all. Rather, it's a collection of lessons, all of which lifted me up, advised me, assured me, or set me straight. He eased my anxiety about motherhood when my first child was born. He coached me on how to ace a job interview. He gave me pointers on buying a car. He explained what to consider when purchasing a house counseled me on navigating the minefields of those tricky newlywed years. He taught me how to make French toast, and he probably didn't even realize the weight of his words in those moments, because my father is not a let's-sit-down-and-have-a-heart-to-heart kind of a guy. Much of his wisdom was imparted to me simply by his being. I learned by watching him, listening to him, laughing with him, and loving him. So thank you, Daddy, for everything. Happy Father's Day. I know a girl She puts the color inside of my world Machines just like a maze Where all of the walls are continually changed You've been listening to Snork, the podcast, written and performed by Anita Rosner. To subscribe, find us on iTunes. For more information or to send us your comments, visit snorkfest.com. Snork is produced by Chad Dugatz at Hangar Studios in New York City. I'm Dave McLaughlin. Father's bigger to your daughters. Daughters will like you do Girls become lovers who turn into mothers So mothers be good to your daughters too